Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to True Health Tuesday, and the truth will set you free. Today we're talking about the lumbar spine, and this is hugely important <laughs> because there's a lot of things that um, uh, we really got to educate the, the doctors as well as the public, typically the doctors. Now let's look at the structure first. The lumbar spine, you can't isolate it from every other part. So when somebody diagnoses you with a disc injury of the lumbar, uh, understand that you could have an abnormal force loading of the thoracic and cervical spine that's going to negatively affect it. Now, the spine gets its strength from the curves, not from the muscles. This is why if anytime you see somebody lifting, they arch their back, you know, the professional weight lifters, and then they lift it up. Because that you want that curve in there to add to the strength, okay? If you're flattening out the discs, that completely alters the biomechanics. Now, the structure of this is brilliant. Now, I taught human dissection for on and off for about eight years. So what's weird is when you look at the structure on a cadaver, you could take a probe that looks kind of like a pen. And you could pass it through bone pretty easy. Bone is very, very porous. You can't beat it into a disc with a hammer. Those discs are 80 interconnecting rings of ligamentous tissue. And it is incredibly strong. The problem is when we're sitting, we're flattening out that curve. Now, when you look at the vertebral body, the pedicle, which comes off that vertebral body, is commonly fractured. And this is wild. This has to do with extension injuries. And I see a lot of these coming in out of a hundred, probably maybe five people out of a hundred are going to have a fractured pedicle. Now it doesn't mean that that fractured pedicle is the problem, but what happens is a lot of doctors, when they're doing an MRI, which is done with your body laying down, okay, gravity is pushing down the tables, pushing up where you're, where you're getting that MRI. So an inflammation can distort it. So looking at just the lumbar for lumbar problems is really not taking into account the entire structure. Now, the spinal cord itself stops um, right at the top of the lumbar at the bottom of the thoracic area. That means that it's a collection of nerves, and it's actually called the cauda equina, or horse's tail, that extends from that thoracic area down. This is why when they're doing epidurals, they don't do it from the top of the lumbar or L1 up. They do it from L2 down, where if you nick the spinal cord with, with um, a needle, um, say you do an epidural that goes subdural, that means that you can damage, you could lose bowel and bladder control. There's a lot of things that can develop. So epidurals are typically done below that because if you nick one of the nerves, then you get a numb area on, on the leg or some other structure. So, you know, I'm not a big fan of epidurals, uh, although they're needed sometimes, but they're, it's, a, it's an interesting procedure. <laughs> okay, but look at the disc. 80 interconnecting rings of ligamentous tissue. And this is why a lot of um, people will say, oh, no, never bend and lift and turn. That's not really true. If you're sitting and you're flattening out those discs, um, and then with a flat back, then you go to lift, that's when you have an abnormal force loading. Now, degenerative disc, degenerative disc disease, 
if you look at the lumbar, has the bottom of an entire structure. So if you get a 200-pound man and you cut the torso from here up off, you know, just theoretically looking at the force loading, there's a huge amount of force over those discs. Now, the discs have a horrible blood supply. They get their nutrients through movement. Now, if you have lack of movement, let's say you're an office worker, truck driver, pilot, um, you know, where you're sitting a lot of the damn day, then that means that there's not a lot of movement. Without the movement, the disc gets compressed because it gets compressed, the fluid gets compressed out of it. And the discs are about 70% fluid. So you need that movement in order to allow that disc to fill up with fluid. So here's, here's how degenerative disc disease forms. First, you have an abnormal force loading. And that could be, when you're looking at the lumbar, it could be a thoracic injury. It could be something that causes the body to deviate. Because the body, if you have pain sitting up straight, then the body is going to ad adapt to that by changing the force loading to make it more comfortable. Except this alters the normal imbibition or the normal movement of that lumbar. And the body does everything it can to protect those nerves. Because the muscles that run down either side of the spine they're called postural muscles. They're, they're not under conscious control. Like phasic muscles, you can tighten and loosen. Postural muscles, you can't. So here, trauma. And this could be sitting, football, basketball, tripping on a staircase, you know, doing something. But that causes that disc to lose its height. And then that makes it unstable. So then the body is going to start to distort the structures in the area. So in order to herniate a disc, it has to be a long-term problem where there's complete abnormal force loading on it. Now, 90% of the nerves that come off the spine, there's no pain fibers. So you can have altered disc function and altered disc motion, which means altered disc nutrients. So then the disc gets lower and lower and lower, and parts of the disc, the center of the disc, the nucleus propulsus, can break through those 80 interconnecting rings of fiber and, and cause a herniation. Now, disc herniations, you can correct by distracting that force, and then that disc, the nucleus propulsus, it can get back in there, but you've got to find out why the disc bulged. So you cannot look at just the lumbar and, you know, or just the MRI without looking at the entire structure because you're looking at abnormal force looting. I mean, it's, it's like the basic concept. But when that degeneration, and it's called degenerative disc disease, it's also called osteoarthritis, which, which is a misnomer because it's not a disease. It's literally from the end result of a trauma. And that trauma could occur anywhere that will, will cause an abnormal force loading on those structures. And the degenerative disc disease is really an adaptation by the body to that abnormal force loading. It, I mean, the body is brilliant. It'll distort the disc. It'll distort the muscles. It'll even distort the bone. Now, when we look at the nerve supply, and this is why the body is going to protect it. This is why the central nervous system is encased in bone, solid case in the brain, and a flexible case uh, to house that nervous system because it controls and coordinates every function of the body. Now, when we look at the structure here, the sacrum's been removed. 
and the sacrum, and, and nobody has a tailbone. <laughs> Let's get over that right now. Okay, it's called the sacrum. Now, why is the sacrum called the sacrum? Well, it's the only three-sided bone in the human body. Okay, now this is the kind of stuff you learn if you've um, been in a human dissection lab for a long time. Um, back in the 1300s, and this is the way the story goes, the, the doctors want, wanted to do human dissection so they could see how the human being works. And the priesthood that was in charge of this said, no, you can't do it. you got to make sure that the soul is no longer in the body. So every doctor knows. And Hippocrates, Hippocrates said, when confronted with disease, first look to the spine. So, so these, these doctors knew enough that if you damage an arm or a leg, you know, yeah, you know, it's, that's the area. You damage the spine, you alter the function of all the organs. Okay, so this is huge. Hippocrates, when confronted with disease, first looked to the spine. So in, when they wanted to do human dissection, they found at the base of the spine, the only three-sided bone. So think of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And so they call that the sacred bone, and we call it the sacrum. So if, when people say, oh yeah, I hurt my tailbone, I fractured my tailbone. No, you don't have tails, you're humans. You have a sacrum. Okay, so now that sacrum, that's where the S stands for, the sacral plexus. This supplies the entire pelvic cavity. So any pelvic dysfunctions, we're talking sexual dysfunction, we're talking endometriosis, um, birth issues, bowel and bladder control issues, everything could be involved in having that sacrum um, be, um, uh, be under pressure or an abnormal function. Now, there's an area skin um, supplied by a specific nerve root, and this is called dermatomes. Now, one of the most brilliant doctors that was one of my mentors, Dr. Jacobson, said, um, to find out what's wrong with a patient, you got to do two things. One, you got to ask them. Two, you got to listen. And he was right, because patients will literally come to you and say, Doc, I got this pain that goes right down here, or I got this pain going right down here, right up to these fingers. And I'll say, you know, that's the sixth cervical nerve root. Okay, or this one goes right down to the, you know, that's the third lumbar. And based on the area of skin supplied, that's a dermatome. And based on the symptomatology, that can clue you in to an area of dysfunction. This is why when we talk about the cervical spine, rotator cuff injuries, golfer's elbow, tennis elbow, carpal tunnel syndrome uh, can all be from the cervical or be called a double crush origin. Bam, here you got a problem, then that affects the upper extremity. Lumbar spine's the same thing. When you're looking at hip dysfunction, the second lumbar nerve root supplies that hip area. So hip pain, hip dysfunction. And I can't tell you how many times I've looked at hips and the patient has told me, oh yeah, my doctor says I got hip dysfunction and I'm looking at a teenage hip. So it's not that, it's the area that supplies it. And then when you're looking at knee dysfunction, the L3 goes down to the knee. So if you have compromised that nerve that supplies that area, you're going to get alternate function. I, I mean, it's, you know, but you've got to look at the whole picture. So anyone that says, oh yeah, I've got a hip problem, a knee problem, or this problem, you've got to do further investigation, not stopping the investigation at, oh, this person has knee pain. Let's inject the knee. Let's give the person a pill to make them more comfortable, and you know, it's just not, not a good thing. Now, when you're looking at this, you've got 
huge number of nerves that come off of the lumbar plexus. Now, a lot of these supply the muscles and a lot of them supply the organ tissues. Because remember, we've got that automatic nervous system. One part keeps you alive under stress, and that's the sympathetic or fight or flight. That's actually located in the thoracic area and the top of the lumbar. That's why sympathetic is also called thoracolumbar. Um, parasympathetic is located in the sacrum and the cervical spine, right at the very, very top. And they call that cranial sacral. This is why cranial sacral therapies are so gosh darn effective. This is why when we're presented with dysfunction of the organs, like say, um, you know, uh, cardiac issues, digestive issues, um, bowel and bladder control issues, you know, just organ dysfunctions, you got to look at the nervous system that controls that. Now, all of these, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of fun because, I mean, I can still draw the brachial plexus from, from memory. You know, it's just you, you own this. When you look at like lateral femoral cutaneous nerve, okay, this can be numbness and tingling on the side of the leg. And that's a branch, okay, off of the L1, L2. There's also some components of L3. So when you look at this, the further away from the site of origin of that nerve, so the origin is L1, L2, L3, L4, S1, S2, S3, S4, S5, okay, all of these origins, they, they join and blend leading to um, the supply of the tissue and the organ system. Now, when you're looking at this um, and you have a dysfunction of the nerve that supplies that organ, okay, you have to look at it. Now, it's, it's interesting that, that in the medical world, they separate um, the, the symptom from the nervous system. Now, if you're looking at this in a little bit different fashion, um, when somebody comes up to me and they says, oh, yeah, you know, I've got diarrhea, I've got irritable bowel, I've got menstrual problems, um, stomach problems, ulcers, you, since the nervous system controls and coordinates every function of the body, would this indicate that that organ is functioning correctly based on its environment? I know this is going to blow your mind. So think of this. The organ system is functioning correctly based on the environment. Now, there could be deficiency of nutrients. There could be toxicity that's negatively affecting, say, the inflammatory bowel or irritable bowel. There could be altered nerve supply. Since the nervous system controls and coordinates every function of the body, wouldn't it make sense to start and look at those symptoms as an alarm, okay, as a clue that there's some kind of dysfunction? Yeah, that makes sense. That's why when, when you go to a chiropractor for, you know, not, we're not back pain, neck pain doctors. Okay. Although a lot of chiropractors advertise that because it's really popular. Um, when you go there, the first thing a chiropractor is going to do, no matter what the condition is, they're going to look at the structure and the nervous system to see if there's any impingement. Because if you want to heal that bowel or heal that kidney or the liver or the intestinal tract, You've got to look at the nerves that supply it, then look at the lifestyle, look at the toxicity or deficiency that that person may be exposed to. Now, let's look at a couple of, of patients here. Now, what you're looking at is, and she had knee pain and been to every doctor, and if you have knee pain and you're looking at just the knee, that is, um, I, I'm, I'm searching for the words because I don't want to say ignorant because that 
that slams a, a big, big hunk of the medical profession. But look at if you have knee pain, is that going to cause you to walk off? Yeah, because you're going to be shifting your body weight away from, away from the site of injury. Now, looking at this gal's knees, you can see the space in there and the, the platform. The bottom bone is called a tibia. The top bone is called a femur. And there's a pretty decent space there. We can see the quadricep or the kneecap should be centrally located. And this one's a little bit lateral. So that means that, does that mean the quadricep could be off? Or when you're looking at just the knee, just the knee, what about the biomechanics of the foot? If you're missing an arch, if there's bunion formation, if there's an unstable pelvis, and look at her lumbar, there's a significant lateral shift of that lumbar. And remember, L3 supplies the knee. L3 is smack dab in the middle of that lumbar. Then also looking at her lumbar film here, we're seeing that, that obviously if the entire torso is laterally shifted, there's going to be an abnormal force loading. So this means disc injuries, dysfunction, pelvis isn't going to be moving correctly. And since that pelvis houses that sacral plexus, could digestion, could menstrual cycles, could sexual dysfunction be associated? Could all of this? Yeah, it could be. But the only way to do, to, to find out if that's a contributing factor is to take an x-ray to see the picture. Now, how many people with knee pain are going to look at the entire structure? Well, smart people are. <laughs> You're going to look at it to, to see if there's contributing factors. I mean, just you got a 12 to 18 pound head. If this baby is thrown forward or laterally deviated, you get a, a sledgehammer, okay, and you laterally deviate that sledgehammer one and a half to two inches, is that going to change the force loading on the low back? Absolutely. It's called holistic, but you can see it's just basic common sense. This gal's got knee pain and, and her knees are gorgeous. Here's another patient. Okay, again, we're looking at a lateral structural deviation of the lumbar. Um, the sacrum is at, that, at the base of the lumbar. It's that little three-sided bone stuck. Those two little arch beautiful things are the ilium. And, and this, white lines there indicate inflammation uh, on the x-ray. So now that means that that sacrum or pelvis has been moving abnormally. And there's no muscle that crosses the back half of that sacrum. Yeah, I mean, you got the piriformis, you got the psoas, you got a bunch of muscles crossing the front part of it. This is why when you're confronted with like piriformis syndrome or chronic hip flexors, you got to look at the origin of those muscles and the biomechanics that are going to cause those muscles to increase in tone. If you treat those muscles as just a muscle issue, you may be missing why the muscle is spasming. No, does that blow your mind? Why is the muscle spasming? Because muscles don't just react on their own. <laughs> you know, so, so with her bladder problems, pain when she sits, that means that there could be an unstable pelvis, but it's not an unstable pelvis. Why is the pelvis unstable? Keep asking that question why at about any kind of intervention. Why? Is the sacrum inflamed? Could this mean that we have to change the biomechanics of the feet, the knees? Do we need to stabilize the pelvis? Do we need to change that force loading on that lumbar? Absolutely. And, and this is what we see all the time. Here's, here's a crime. Oh my gosh. 58-year-old gal, six months, she dropped out of care after six months. 
she couldn't make it, the drive or insurance or something, whatever the problem was. She comes back seven years later, and this is one of the hardest conditions to treat. When the surgeon completely alters the biomechanic of, of that area, and they bolt the lumbar to the sacrum, you have chronic sacral and pelvic um, problems. You're changing the dynamics of that. Plus, you can't really adjust this area. Now, if you're looking close, when they do a surgery like that, typically they'll do a thing called a laminectomy, where they'll cut out the, the parts next to the spinous process, they'll chisel those out, and they'll remove those to de-stress out the lumbar. Uh, the problem is when you do this bolting of there, you've got the area above and below that are altering the mechanics for forever. But now you just looking at the post-surgery one, you can see her entire torso is shifted off to the side. So does that mean that the legs, the feet, all of these structures are going to be altered? Very frustrating. So when you look at what a chiropractor does, and this is a quote by B.J. Palmer, we're, we're working, and I mean, it, it's almost like magic, where you adjust the spine and then the body can return to function. And when people present with, oh, I have a thyroid issue, or I have adrenal fatigue, or I have uh, bowel disorders, or I have, you know, all of these conditions, what I tell them is, well, your body is responding correctly based on the environment it's in. So you change that nerve supply, you change the toxicity and deficiency, then the body can regenerate tissue healthy. It's such a bizarre concept, but it makes so much sense. So when you're, if you do have back issues, if you do have organ issues, look at the controlling factor, the nervous system. And we chiropractors work with the subtle substance of the soul. We release that imprisoned impulse, that tiny rivulet of force that emanates from the mind and flows over the nerve cells to stir them into life. Isn't that beautiful? You know, I mean, talk about neurotransmitters, talk about sensory input to the brain, talk about sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system. Those are all the parts of such a beautiful system that forms your body. Your body is intelligent. It's going to respond intelligently to the environment and to the force loading placed upon it. Now, the body, those discs are alive. You change the force loading, you change the nutrients, you change the nerve supply, then the discs can regenerate. Discs are alive. This is why when we talk about the five keys to healing, if you look at the five keys to healing, just think about how your body works. Because your body breaks down a billion cells a day, your body builds a billion cells a day. So when you're breaking down and building up, that's called an oxidative metabolic process. So that build up and break down, that process creates free radicals. So if you have a diet high in antioxidants, like let's say you're taking vitamin C or juicing or blending or you know healthy antioxidant vegetables, okay, and vitamins like omega threes, um, those deactivate those free radicals formed by that inflammatory process. So inflammation is actually a healing process. So you want to facilitate that tissue production, facilitate the tissue production. Billion cells a day, baby. So we change the force loading. We create inflammation at the level of the disc so the body can regenerate that area. And I'm talking little inflammation 
local specific over the area so the body can regenerate. So what do you need? Number one, nerve supply. You've got an automatic nervous system. If you're in a fight or flight state, your body goes into stress mode and you're not going to be regenerating the tissue. If you're in a balanced autonomic state, then you've got two to three healthy bowel movements a day. You're sleeping fantastic. You wake up refreshed. You've got um, good processing and nutrients. You're able to get the amino acids from the proteins, fatty acids from the fats, and usable sugars from the carbohydrates. Then regular exercise. Why? Those discs need movement in order to get the nutrients. If you have altered movement, they're not going to get the nutrients. And regular exercise, specifically symmetrical exercise and movement, you're going to allow those discs to get the nutrients and they can literally fill up with fluid. Just for the heck of it, measure yourself in the morning after you've been out of the presence of gravity all night and measure yourself in the afternoon. Typically, you're going to be three quarters of an inch shorter in the afternoon <laughs> because your body, when it's out of the presence of gravity, can fill up with fluid. And when you're under the presence of gravity in a vertical force loading, the fluid or lack of movement gets compressed. It's, it's brilliant. But regular exercise for brain function and body function is essential. This is a half hour at least every day. Proper nutrition. This means stuff your great-great-grandparents would, would recognize. Why? Um, it, because when you look at your great-great-grandparents, 80, 90, you know, 100 years old, healthy. But what was their diet like? And if you look at the blue zones, there, there's different cultures around the world that typically make it over 100. But they all have similarities. Their diet is generally seasonal, generally organic, whole food, okay, generally seasonal. So you're going to eat the right, of, the right type of food for the right type of season and varied. So, so eat your food, pick for color. Okay, This means every time you get a, a, something of a different color, like a different colored apple or a blueberry or a strawberry or these things, okay, they're going to have different phytonutrients. So let food be your medicine and medicine be your food. Sufficient rest. Look at our videos on how to change your sleep patterns. If you're sleeping good, you're regenerating. That's when the tissue regeneration occurs, these rapid eye movement cycles. And then prayer and meditation. Just <clears throat> if you don't have a relationship with your creator, okay, or with the life force that runs our world, with God, okay, then meditate because that will get you in the parasympathetic state okay, and it will allow your body to regenerate so you can get out of that stress state. You need a balanced autonomic nervous system. But every study, every study, including pay, prayer in healing, okay, shows that the healing occurs faster. So if you've got a really good tool like that, use it. Nerve supply, exercise, nutrition, sleep, and prayer and meditation. Um, follow that pattern, and you're going to notice that your body can regenerate in a healthy fashion. And that's how you literally verse the disease process. Now, if you have any questions, post them below, and we're going to get to the question and response later on in the week. And we're gathering questions for the first few days. So, you know, make sure you copy this, subscribe, you know, please help us, keep helping us out. Your viewing is appreciated. God bless you. Stay healthy, my friends. You're made in the image and likeness of God.